Well, it's good to be here uh, amongst you fruits. <laughs> Even a, a few fruitcakes, like you, Dino. It is good that we are fruits together. <clears throat> I have this face that um, a mother would find hard to love, but um, <laughs> that's beside the point. But people have this tendency to always tell me who I look like, and it's not been easy for me. And I'm not going to go into some of the painful things that they've told me and said, but two very recent that just happened this week. And this guy comes up to me after a funeral and goes, you know who you look like? And inside I'm going, no, I don't. And I don't really care. <laughs> he said, you look like Kenny Rogers. So I busted out and knew when to hold him, knew when to fold him. And I uh, so that wasn't bad, but the next one was very interesting. It's a woman I love and adore and respect. She directs our choir. I'm not going to use her name, but she, she's been here a long time. And, and Heather and she happened to walk up to me this week and say, you know who you look like. And I'm thinking, I don't really care, Heather. But, but she said, you look like Moses. Now I'm thinking, when's the last time you bumped into Moses? <laughs> How do you know what Moses looks like? You know, and then I thought of this, this famous movie, uh, Charlton Heston, called it Ten Commandments. And I don't think I look at all like Charlton Heston. You know, about five or six weeks ago, I, I preached a sermon, uh, and you weren't here. <laughs> it was the Sunday when we had a, a sprinkler head break, and, and the place was flooded, but... The decision was made that, that I would preach that sermon, it'd be live streamed, a sermon on prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And so I, I preached that sermon in this place with only three people, myself, the sound person, and the video person. Completely dark, it was really hard to preach that sermon. As I get feedback, if you're looking at me and nodding your head, and if you're sleeping, I'm going to call you out. But, but it, it, it was really a difficult thing to do. But one of the cool things about the sermon, it, briefly, was that in the middle of the sermon, I saw one of our custodians walk in, and again, nobody's in here, new, new person in here. I watched a custodian walk over here, and behind me is the altar. I can sense and feel him coming behind me, and the whole time he's walking, I'm thinking, how am I going to stop this guy? You know, I'm, and I thought, hey, I was going to yell, hey, sinner, sit down! <laughs> but it would have been inappropriate anyways. I feel him behind me, and all of a sudden I hear the altar from behind me being rolled away, pulled back. <laughs> and so uh, a number of people have given me feedback about the sermon. said, man, it was so moving, the altar moved. <laughs> We're continuing on this journey uh, through the Sermon on the Mount. And we've been looking at now the second of three warnings that Jesus gives us. And last week... Petey talked about the two gates, the warning of and the reminder to take the narrow gate, the narrow road. Today I'm going to talk about the two prophets, and next week Emily is going to talk about the two houses, the two foundations. Now Petey last week told us that we are, are presented with these two paths. One is the broad road, and the other is the narrow road. The broad road is easy. A lot of travelers on that road. But the problem with that is that road leads to death. Now the narrow road, the road is difficult. And in order to stay on the road, we've got to stay focused. 
We've got to remember that Jesus walks with us on that road. It was fascinating that we get a chance to choose. We're not forced. We get a chance to choose which of the paths we're going to walk. P.D. left us with a wonderful challenge. It's something, a question to think about. He said, during this transition time, we're, we're not gonna, this is not a season of waiting for the next big shiny thing. This is not a season where we're going to sit on our hands, and we're not. The reality is, is that this is a time for us not to take the easy road, the wide path of thinking that we're not moving forward. The reality is, is that we are moving forward. We are journeying together on the more difficult road, the the hard road, the narrow road. But the reality is, is that the vision has not changed for us on this road. We're not waiting for a transitional pastor or a new senior leader. God is moving us forward on this road, and we continue to hold up our vision, which is inviting people who are far from God. We're inviting them in a bold way to be transformed by his love. Not inviting people necessarily to this church, but inviting them into a relationship with Christ. And the question he left us with is, are we boldly extending that invitation? Are we doing it the easy way? Are we, are we, are we going outside of ourselves to invite others into this life-saving grace and love? Well, today we're going to look at the second choice, and we're going to talk about who's going to guide us on that road. We have to make some decisions about that. I want us to look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. I want you to open your Bibles. <clears throat> if you have the little gift that we've given you, go ahead and grab that. This is Matthew 7, verses 15 to 20. <clears throat> and let me begin to read that for you. Be aware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Underline verse 16. You will recognize them, those false prophets, disguised by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased trees bear bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. The second time, underline verse 20. Thus, you will recognize them, the false prophets, by their fruits. We will recognize the false prophets by their fruits. Jesus repeats himself. He says that we are to look at the production of fruit, especially by these false prophets, in order to determine whether they're giving us a message from God. See, there were false prophets all around Jesus, both in the times before he came and the time that he was with us and now even today. All kinds of false prophets all around us claiming to speak God's truth. Oftentimes, it, it was a prophet just expressing what a king felt his people needed to hear and disguising it as a message from God. There's voices today all around us 
false voices. Voices that, that are telling us what to believe and what to do and how to vote and how to spend our time, how to raise our children, how to navigate relationships, claiming that it's God speaking to us, that it's God's message to us. Jesus says, be on the lookout for these false prophets. Know that they can be easily disguised. They might look a little sheepish, but they're really wolfish. They're dangerous. Jesus is saying that we need to listen to the subtleties, that we are to ask, who are they really promoting? Are they talking about Jesus, or are they talking about themselves? Are they looking for glory, and is their motive fame and fortune and power and money? We have to ask the question, who are they promoting? Now, now one example that I'm not going to spend much time with, but this happened in the 90s. Those of us who are more seasoned here will remember this. That, that there was an organization called the PTL Club. And Tammy Faye and Jim Baker, Baker were involved in leaders of that movement. And under their leadership, there was... There was sexual exploitation. There was a, a, a prosperity message. There, they owned houseboats and mansions and, and entertainment centers and parks and all kinds of things. They were claiming that the message they were preaching and teaching was God's message. But it wasn't. Jesus is extorting us to examine our leaders and our teachers. Words not alone, but looking at their character, their lives, and their lifestyles. Are they practicing obedience? Are they living by God's rules or their own rules? Are they claiming to follow Jesus but really promoting themselves? See, a diseased tree can't bear healthy fruit, nor can a healthy tree bear unhealthy fruit. See, we don't get grapes from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles. In my early years, in the 70s, I spent quite a bit of time doing youth ministry, and I worked for a very large, well-known, popular youth center in St. Paul. We led retreats on weekdays and on weekends, and, and it, it was an amazing experience for middle and high school students. On these retreats, young people opened their hearts to God. They were transformed by his love and grace. They, they committed their lives to Christ. And along with leading those retreats, I would travel to churches throughout the state where the students came from, from their churches. And I would go out and help start youth groups in those churches, meeting with some of the parents and the lay leaders of the church and some of the leaders and the students. And I'd meet with them and I'd, I'd provide materials and I'd, I'd promise to come and give talks and visit them and encourage them. I did that and I worked alongside of a super talented mentor. This guy was a seasoned, charismatic man. He was just a little bit older than myself as a leader. And we were connected together with a, a worshiping faith community called the Community of the Promise. 
Now Mike was the primary voice and he was passionate. He was tender-hearted. He was talented. I mean, he was so gifted. And, and we perceived that Mike had this deep love and dependence on Jesus. We were taken in by his charm and his warmth and his charisma. And it was a movement of the Holy Spirit. Yet I felt deep in my soul, troubled, like something was wrong. We called him Shepherd. He was perceived as a father figure. He was revered for his personality. He was handsome. He was a single man. Nobody told him who he looked like. (laughs) I grew skeptical, and I observed much of his troubling behavior. Mike would meet with teenage young girls in his office and close the door. And I watched Mike over time flirt with these young students, and it troubled me. So I grabbed my colleague, Marty, and we confronted Mike, and he defended himself. And the problem was he deceived himself. He chose to live lies, and soon all the truth surfaced. The the reality was that, that Mike did everything he could for a number of years to cover up his sinful nature. He abused power. He sexually assaulted young women. And he left a wake of wounded souls behind him, mine included. Yet even in spite of that, somehow God still transformed lives. But Jesus is making it very clear to us. And he goes on in these next few verses in Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23. Now he's not speaking about false prophets. He's talking to us clergy types, straight up. He's talking to pastors and priests and people who are spiritual leaders. And this is tough stuff to hear. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father... Underline that. The one who does the will of my Father. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. Depart from me. Jesus is making it clear that even so-called charismatic spiritual leaders, we ourselves need to exercise the reality of knowing Jesus. It just can't be about exercising the gifts of the Spirit. It can't be just about performing miracles and exercising demons. It's not even about proclaiming Lord, Lord. But it's thinking about who Jesus is and he knowing us as leaders. See, Jesus disowns them. He says to them, you think you're working for me and believe that you know me, but I don't even know you. Get out of here. 
He said, I never really knew you. Isn't that amazing? It's strangely possible to serve and try to glorify God outwardly and yet not be obedient and dependent on Jesus in our own personal lives. It's true, pastor. It's true of priests and spiritual leaders. On the outside, everything can look right, but, but inwardly, there's no dependence on Jesus in our own personal life. He says what really matters is knowing him and being known by him. And this is tough stuff because this is the very first time in this sermon where Jesus declares that he's going to make some judgments about us. Jesus says that he is the judge and he's the one to determine whether we know him and he knows us or not. Not us. See, only our relationship with Jesus Our accepting him as our savior and our redeemer and our grace giver and our forgiver only by living obedient to his will. Only by knowing him and being known by him will it matter. That's tough stuff. I mean, let me take a deep breath here. Those are hard words. Those are words directed at me, at all of us, as leaders. See, we have, to, we have to examine ourselves. We have to ask ourselves constantly, what are our motives? Are we relying on our giftedness and spiritual training alone? And who are we really promoting? And do we acknowledge our own sinful nature and our imperfections? And do we rely on God's unmerited grace and forgiveness for us, not just talking to you about it? Do we really truly believe as leaders that that we need to be restored, that we need to be producing good fruit? I think we are, and I hope so. You're not the judge of that. Jesus is the judge of that. So the question is for us, do we value the performance of our gifts for the good of others or the gift of love for the good of others. It's true that spiritual leaders bring their own bags of baggage. We got our own baggage. We bring baggage of guilt and shame and and comparison and, and competition and impatience and pride and anger and egos and hurried sickness and all that stuff. Some of us as spiritual leaders only love those who are easy to love. Some of us can't admit when we're wrong. Some of us fake like we know everything. But ultimately, do we know Jesus? And does Jesus know us? Okay, heavy stuff. We've got to discern false voices. We have to even discern those in spiritual leadership, whether or not they're really truly believing and living what they say. Now, you're sitting in this crowd today, and you're going, so what about us? Okay, let's talk a little bit about you and about us. See, first, Jesus wants you to squeeze the fruit. He wants you to to make it sure that it's ripe and edible. He wants you to be warned about those who deceive 
or even about those who might be deceived themselves. He wants you to be able to discern false prophets and false pastors and priests and leaders. But let me talk a little bit about false people. And and let me talk about our fruit production. I, I love gardening. My dad grew up on a farm, and, and I love gardening. And I love sinking deep the f- my feet into the soil uh, of a fresh-tilled garden. I love to plant, especially edible stuff. I mean, flowers are beautiful, but you can't eat them. But, but I grew up in North Minneapolis, and we lived on a, a lot and a half, and half, that half lot was all garden. It was 70 by 70. And literally, we grew everything from popcorn to peanuts. We did. But our cash crop were tomatoes. Unbelievable tomatoes. Big boys and early girls and early boys and and beefsteak tomatoes and plum tomatoes and cherry tomatoes and heirloom tomatoes. Whoever came up with all those names the reality is, is that we had the best, best tomatoes in the neighborhood. Now, I'm going to give you the two secrets. Why? Because we prepared the soil. We used a French ingredient called cow manuray for the soil. <laughs> we literally threw a, a pickup truck full of this fresh-smelling French product. And then we would till it into the soil. And the second reason our tomatoes were so amazing is because we pruned them. A lot of people don't know this about tomatoes. First of all, it's a fruit. Jake learned that this morning. And second of all, you will get greater fruit production if you trim the branches. Now, not just any branch, but if you look up and that, I think it's the right-hand corner, you'll see that branch growing downward. Now, that is a classic branch called a sucker branch. And if you clip that branch off, more of the energy and the nutrients from the soil will reach the fruit. There'll be greater buds on that plant. Yes, sucker branches. And these are the branches that are growing downward toward the soil. And these are branches that don't produce fruit. I... I think it's really important that you and I are pruned. That the sucker branches that, that keep us from producing the fruit that God desires for us need to be trimmed away. Look with me just briefly at this passage in John 15, 1 through 5. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father's the gardener, and he cuts out every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. In verse 4, he says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. If you know me, I will know you, is what he's saying. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain connected to the vine, and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So the question this morning is, how's your fruit production? How is it? 
Are you laying down your pretense? Are you laying down your pride and and desire to control your own life? Or are you taking up? Are you taking up humbly the teachings of Jesus? Are, Are you connected to the truth and the source of our life and our faith? See, it's not enough to say, Lord, Lord. It's not enough to serve him. It's not enough to perform miracles. We have to lay our lives down. And we got to pick up God's will. we got to follow Jesus' teachings because it's about being connected to the vine through worship, through prayer, through community. How's your fruit production? Jesus, he didn't talk about the fruits of the Spirit. That was Paul. But he told us earlier in the Beatitudes what some of the fruits were. The fruits were humility. They were being peacemakers. They were mourning with those who mourn. How's your fruit production? Let's pray. Jesus, you make it clear to us and made it clear earlier in this sermon that we're to love you, our Lord and our God, with every part of our being, our soul, our mind, and strength. And we're to love others the way you love us. So help us. Help us by pruning away those branches that suck life from us. Prune away the character flaws and and the things that preoccupy us. And gracious God, please, please produce fruit in us. Fruit that points others to you. Fruit that invites, in a bold way, anyone who needs your grace and love, your transforming nature in us. So please, help us to be fruit producers. In your name I pray, amen.